Perhaps everything terrible is in its deepest being something helpless that wants help from us. Rainer Maria Rilke. Bending, Not Breaking, Season 2, Episode 11, The Desert. And we're back with another episode! Woohoo! Woohoo! Welcome to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This is Ben Pruitt. And we are excited to have you back and listening to this episode on the desert. And we're going to be looking at it through a lens of what, Ben? It's the quenchiest. Helplessness. Helpless in the north. Yep. What? What? That was. That's a song from a very popular musical called Hamilton. Oh, I didn't recognize it. Yes. So, that's what it is. But we're excited to be talking about this. Uh, a lot of great things are going to come out of this episode. And helpless, uh, helplessness uh-huh. is yeah, something yeah, yeah. definitely worth talking about, right? I felt helpless sometimes. So, before we... but before Do you want to dive into that right now, or do you want to dive into that a little bit later? I mean, I feel like we're supposed to, at this point in the episode, bring do, in someone else. Oh. Do... There's someone else in the studio. Yes. He's our friend. You know him. You love him. The one, the only, Max Gongaware. Welcome, Max. Thank you for being here and producing this episode again. I'm very uh, good to be here. Oh, we're just excited to have you. Like I'm saying, it's good of me to be here for you. Yes, you're doing us a massive favor by making us sound better than we would without you. I'm literally like, y'all could have done this. I don't think so. You've got the skills to back and pay the bills. I plugged a USB into my computer. Yeah, but there's like dials and things that you got to do. Don't minimize the work you do. It's a lot. We love having you here. Thank you for being here. And you got my Hamilton reference. Uh, you didn't sing it very well. I just, yeah. It was good. I, mean, I could I could sing soprano. You've I've heard you sing things well. That effort at Helpless was not your strongest. I'll do well. If I'll, I can offer some some notes, I'll work on it. I'll sing Hamilton more in practice. Speaking of notes, we should make sure that you get your notes for your recap. Ooh, it is time for Max's uninformed recap. 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 All right, Max, are you ready? Yep. All right, your very first scene of this episode in the desert is Ang yells at Toph for letting Appa get stolen. The last thing is Aang and Katara cry as Aang comes out of the Avatar state. Your keyword slash phrases are Sandbenders, The Order of the White Lotus, Cactus Juice, Bounty Hunters, and Vulture Bees. Can I repeat any of that for you? No, I got it all. Alright, you've got 30 seconds. I'm sorry, we normally give, we give you a minute. We, you've got one minute. Great. Starting right now. So episode 11 of season two begins with Aang yelling at Toph for letting Appa get stolen. Um, and so Aang was angry um, and this thus started yelling. 
Um, and then once Appa got stolen, Appa was stolen by sandbenders, which is a fun fact about this episode. Um, and the sandbenders, there are certain ones of them that are that are members of the Order of the White Lotus. Um, and to become Maybe. a member of that of that uh, order, you have to drink a pint of cactus juice. Thirty seconds. Um, so that's why only some of them are members. And then um, the rest of them, they're not they're not quite they're sand baggers sand benders still but they're not part of the order 10 seconds they're still bounty hunters because that's important and that's how they stole appa is because of a bounty hunter five and then there were some four, vulture bees three that stung them all which two, helped ang and katara one, cry done ang comes out of an avatar state you see like 45 seconds of that could have been canon could we legitimately don't know how to get into the order of the white lotus that's you might true. have to drink it's a pint juice. of cactus juice. No, I read it on Wikipedia. Does that mean that Sokka is now a member is there, of the Do we White ever Lotus? get canon on how to get into the Order of the White Lotus? Not in the show. There's ancient art forms. Is it in the comics? I don't know. I don't you know, know I haven't read the comics. Well, maybe you read them since last week. I don't keep tabs on you all the time. You kind of do. <sighs> I just care about you. Anyways, um, Ben, are you, are, you want to recap this one or you want me to recap? I mean, I feel like... You should do it. Okay. 30 seconds on the clock. Yep. Ben's got it. You send me on my way. Why haven't you started? Is that a Rusted Root song? Yep. And Aang yells at Toph for letting uh, them steal Appa, and Aang continues to yell at Toph and blame her for Appa, and Katara and Sokka try to console Aang, but Aang flies away and says, uh, you know... We're going to fly away. And Sokka goes, do you think if we dig out the giant owl, he'll give us a ride? We cut to Zuko and Iroh, who are in a lot of pain, but they are getting tracked by bounty hunters. And then we cut back to the gang walking through the desert. And it's super tiring. And Sokka drinks cactus juice and goes on a little acid trip. And then Aang's flying around but can't find Five Appa. Seconds. And then uh, we cut to the Earth Kingdom. And uh, there's more people who are wanted dead or alive. And uh, Time. There's so much more. This was a very... There's a lot that goes on in a very short amount of time. You spent a lot of time in the desert. They're, they spend a lot of time in the desert. It wasn't my best recap. I'll do better next time. Anyways, let's talk about helplessness and the lens that we are going to discuss this episode through. And uh, let's, let's dive into a little bit about that. What is helplessness, Ben? Sure, 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 sure. I feel like helplessness is... The state of not being able to help yourself or not being or not perceiving that help is going to come your way either. So for me, it's almost like there's a mixture of it's almost the opposite of hope in a way. Like there's no hope. There's no way for me to help myself. There's no at least no perceived way. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the mindset. And when I think about it, how did you think about it when you were taking notes? Hold on. I have a question. Sure. This isn't meant as flippant, though most of the things I usually say probably come off as flippant. Based on the definition you just created, can, is there a difference between helplessness and hopelessness? Which, that actually is going to pan in perfect to my question, because I feel like I looked at this as more hopelessness. And thus feeling helpless because of a lack of hope. That's not a question. I asked. I definitely asked a question. Yes. Is there a difference between helplessness and hopelessness? Alex Sunshine did not help. That's what I'm saying. Like with, I, his, with his... Uh, can this not be the Let's Pick on Sunshine episode? 
No, I feel like that's not, happened. Like, are you feeling helpless? Somewhat. Talk to me about the difference between helplessness and hopelessness. See, that was a really good way to divert your helplessness feeling. What you've done is you've asked us a question, and that made it so that you got a little bit of agency in that moment to not feel as helpless as you did. How do you feel about that? Oh, you were sounding very snarky, so I just tuned you out. I missed all of that. So, ladies, gentlemen, friends, everyone who's listening. Honored guest. Yeah. Uh, is that me? What we've just seen is Sunshine, uh, you know, feeling a little, you know, sassed, even though I was genuinely trying to appreciate him and help understand and explain his question. But that being said, we're going to revert back to talking about helplessness. So, I think for me, the difference between hopelessness and helplessness is helplessness is like a square, and hopelessness is like a rectangle. Interesting. A square is a rectangle, but a rectangle, not a square. So, you're saying helplessness is a form of hopelessness? I'm saying in order to have helplessness, you also have to have been through or be experiencing hopelessness. That's my thought process. If I'm feeling helpless, I think I also have to be feeling hopeless. But I think that helpless also implies that there's also like nothing I can actually do or the feeling that there's nothing I can actually do versus the simple act of like there's no hope. So let's take Aang in, a, in the moments where he is actively choosing to go search for Appa, um, taking on some agency in that moment. Has hope. So has hope, right? Like, he's not helpless in that moment, or I wouldn't view him as because he is searching to do something. He's but, taking action. He's doing something. Um, but there are other things that are going on when you feel helpless or feel hopeless that we might see that are symptoms of helplessness potentially um let's uh, like let's look at that first moment where he just lays into Toph. Yeah, yeah, yeah you never liked appa you don't you didn't do anything and she was trying her best to save them and she even says you were in you know you were in there i was trying to keep it from sinking i couldn't stop them i can't feel anything out here like i'm blind um and and not just blind the way i'm typically blind but like i legitimately couldn't see and even Katara kind of stands up for her and says, hey, she's stop. doing the best that she can. Yeah. Um, and she's, you know, kept us from dying. And Aang is lashing out in this moment. Yep. Do we see that as a symptom, uh, typically, of helplessness? I think that when we are pushed back into a corner, we are more likely to experience flight, flight, or freeze. And Aang, being a person of privilege and power is more likely to experience fight rather than flight or freeze. And so in this moment where he feels he is pushed back into a corner emotionally because he is experiencing a pretty tough loss of his, one of his best friends, it feels like he's choosing to fight in this moment because he feels like, I wonder if his reptile brain is <clears throat> experiencing that mindset right now. Yeah, I feel like there's moments in, I am way more likely to get snarky, to get upset, to lash out at someone if I'm in a place of feeling dejected and run down and hopeless in certain aspects or helpless. Like earlier in this episode. Sure. When you got snarky. 
That, isn't that a snarky response in itself? Yes, and that doesn't make what I said untrue. Fair. Yeah, but compassion and empathy is important. That's the difference. It was that's, real. That's, there was no that's compassion. That's difference. Um, but absolutely, like those are the moments where I'm way more likely to, to snap at someone, well, right? Well, you know, there's this woman uh, who does a lot of research. Her name is Brene Brown. Have you heard of her? And she uh, talks about this. She like We are way more likely to act in a way that is shameful when we are feeling shame. And the same is true if we are feeling anytime like we go into halt mode, so hungry, angry, lonely, tired, we are going to act, we are more likely to act outside of our values. Right. Right? As an attempt to get out of that feeling, and yet it typically is more of a spiral downwards. Well, yeah. And so our, a, a lot of people's gut response in those moments is to blame someone else. So blame is a very common. Oh, I can't think of it. Uh, diversion technique for not experiencing the emotions we're feeling at the time. Empathy misstep. An empathy misstep is sure, but it's also like I don't want to feel what I'm feeling. I'm going to do what I can to not feel it. The way I can not feel it is by putting the blame on somebody else rather than feeling the pain. And so who's the quickest and easiest person to blame? The Toph. person who was there. The yeah. person who was there. And so Toph gets yelled at. And I think that, like, he's, he's, it, like, it's amazing the end of last episode how quickly he was moved to tears when Appa was gone. Like, to think about, like, it would have taken me much longer to process. I would have asked more questions. I would have been like, okay, tell me what happened. Give me this. What happened? Oh, well, and, but he goes straight to Appa's gone and starts to cry. And, that's it was such a quick mode that this is clearly a very um, sore touch point for Aang, and I just think we're way more likely to act outside of our values as he, I think he is doing in this moment uh, when we're feeling that way. So how else do we? How where else in this episode do we see these types of behaviors? This this helpless feeling of pe that's creating um, almost a that it's that fight, flight, or freeze, right? And so. Um, where else in this episode do you see that happening? So one of the things that I see helplessness wise is Toph is helpless in the sand in a way that she's not anywhere else. Um, and she cannot see the way that she can normally see through the vibrations in her feet because the sand is loose around her. And so the vibrations are muddled. And so she literally can no longer see. So it's like she's blind for real now. And so she's experiencing her blindness in a way that is way more vulnerable than she's used to feeling, right? And so throughout the episode, Toph is acting entirely differently than she normally acts. Not snarky, not confident, she's very like, very subservient hesitant. and humble mm -hmm. and ask, hey, hey, Katara, can I have some more water? And can I have some more? Please, sir. And it's interesting because as soon as she kicks it's the another, boat... It's another musical reference, Max. Yeah, I'm going to need you to stop all of her musical references. All of her. All of your musical references. Continue. As soon as Toph kicks the boat, we see her become angry and a little bit snarky because she had a flash where she could see. And then it's gone. And then, like, 
they get to the rock and the island, this rock island, and she's back to really her old self where she's playing jokes and she's saying these snarky things. And I just see her whole mood shift in her helplessness. And then it comes back, though, when she starts to fight things that are flying. Yeah. That aren't making vibrations on the ground and requires the help of Katara um, and, and Sokka to kind of point her in the direction of where these things are throughout the, that yep. fight sequence. Of vulture bees. That's what I called them. I don't know if that's really... I said wasp vulture. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we're in the same vein. Oh, um, if you had told me wasp vulture, I would have gotten that part of my recap more correct. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that... Now I know exactly what that was in reference. You could just that's a, watch an that's episode. That's a really good example of how when we are feeling helpless and like we didn't do... We, we, we were not adequate. We are quick to blame. And that was a really good example of that. <laughs> um, so we get these uh, we get these moments of... I, first, let's also highlight Katara and, and how yep. she takes on this role... And not in a way that's resentful, but in a way where she recognizes the trauma that Aang is feeling in this moment and says, I'm going to do something to be supportive in here and I'm going to take the lead. Um, which I think is a nice reminder to say, like, you can't lead all the time. Like, good leaders are great followers and you got to know when to step back and step up. And she does a great job of saying, I'm going to step up right now. And, and then Sokka goes on an acid trip after drinking cactus juice and... She and really is, has to hold the group and together. The, and this is, like, I think the pivotal moment is Aang leaves on an angry rampage to go find Appa. There's a essentially an atomic sand bomb that happens where Aang blows up and creates a mushroom cloud. Mm -hmm. And then he comes back to the party. And so... Sad, dejected. And he has, at that point, I think, lost hope. He has... And I think that hopelessness... And that lens led to him being helpless. And here's why. So Katara was still in this. She sees the potential in all the tools they have. A cloud comes by and she's like, oh, we can get the water out of that. Aang does not see that. Like all of these, all of the hopelessness, all of the helplessness diminishes our capacity for creativity, for seeing things as they could be rather than how they are. And so we, it, it almost creates tunnel vision. And so... Katara, being the optimist that she is in this moment, is like seeing these potentials, whereas Aang, the pessimist, sees no option. Uh, it seems like uh, helplessness is his gut instinct because of his grieved state. And I think that's really interesting to kind of, as a, they're very juxtaposed in that moment. Absolutely. Um, she really, she, she takes on everything. She takes on everything and then gets called out for it. And like, what are you even doing? Like, and she just almost breaks down in tears and says, I'm just, I'm trying to keep the group together. Like, I know the situation isn't perfect. I know that these things stink and I'm just trying to do my best here. Yeah. Um, which I just, it shows you that words are important, right? Like, well, and I think words are important, but I, I think what's most terrifying right now watching this is realizing that two people put in the desert in the same situation are going to have two very outcomes dependent upon their outlook. Right. Right. And so if someone who is in the desert and feels helpless, they're likely to die. Right. They're not going to keep going. They're not going to have the um, persistence and the um, perseverance to keep walking. They're going to feel like it's not worth it. 
I need to just quit while here because there's nothing else I can do. Whereas someone who is in Katara's position who, you know what, we can get out of here. Here are all the tools that we have. Here are the ways we can do it. Here's how we can try. Made it so that they could get out. I think it's important to highlight that she doesn't, she is side by side in that process. Right, she doesn't drop all the tools in front of the group and say, "Here's all the things we can and do." And it's because she's stuck there too, right? Yeah. Um, but even if she wasn't having the tools and, and being side by side, like it wouldn't do any good. The sandbenders get them out of that situation at the end of this episode, um, especially after seeing Ang's power. But sandbenders are getting them out of the situation, but it wouldn't do them any good to give them another glider and to say, "Here's the tool you need to get out of it." Yeah, get out. They have to show them the way and Katara does a great job of doing that um by using those tools and, and being there side by side um and i wonder if that's an allegory for how we handle life right like well when you feel stuck in the desert what helps well it's interesting because the more i think about it the more i'm questioning whether helplessness is something we can choose or not so is helplessness it feels like there's all, like so we talked about this I think in an earlier episode but we talked about the idea and concept of praying and thoughts and prayers as a concept of oh there's nothing I can do I'm going to send you my thoughts and prayers um but there are things you can do and so in relations to whatever that may be whether it's you know there's the death of a family member and it's like I'm sending you my thoughts and prayers like is that all you can do or are there actions you can take to actually um, be there and be present, or are there actions you can take to, um, maybe you bake them a casserole and take that over there. Like, is it food? Like there, there's just, there are so many things you can do other than thoughts and prayers. And I'm not saying thoughts and prayers are bad. I'm saying that it's not the only option. Well, and it, right. Yeah. Well, and helplessness is learned, right? Like there's learned helplessness is an actual well, it's interesting. Thing, right? So if you type in helplessness in Google, the first thing that comes up is learned, learned helplessness. Yep. Which is a condition in which a person suffers from a sense of powerlessness that typically comes from a traumatic event um, or a persistent failure to kind of succeed. And it's thought to be an underlying cause of things like depression and then also has a, a series of biological responses you're more likely to have cancer you're more likely to get colds your immune system shuts down um but that's because of this traumatic events either happening on a regular basis or you feeling like they're happening on a regular basis um and so that helplessness maybe that first time right if this is the first time you're stuck in the desert are you more likely to help navigate on be able to get out of it if it's your 20th time that you feel like you're stuck in the desert or it's such a massive traumatic hit, your response is likely going to be different based on science. Well, again, bringing exciting Renee Brown, hope is a function of struggle. It's one of those things where if you continuously fail, you are not going to have hope. But if you work hard and you experience struggle, but you are able to pull through, that's what creates hope, right? And I think seeing that light at the end of the tunnel, see, yeah, seeing oh, that rock out oh, in the middle of the if desert. If I work hard towards this, that means I can. Mm-hmm. And so th- this really kind of brings back the uh, experiment that they did on dogs. I referenced it on the podcast before where they put dogs in a cage and they shocked them, right? 
Yep. And so the dogs got shocked in the cage. They hated it. They hated it. But then they started to open the cage after they had done that multiple times. And because the dogs couldn't escape beforehand, they had tried. They couldn't. They just learned to take the shock. And so when they opened the cage doors, the dogs didn't try to run anymore, they even though the, the door was wide open, because and they continued to take the shock. And so you can relate that to so many things. You can relate that to domestic abuse. You can relate that to any sort of trauma. But when the trauma is staying in the body, it narrows our mind because we are going to be in our mind so much that we don't see that way out. We lose that sense of agency, that sense of hope, because there's been struggle, but there isn't something that has come of it. Which is weird, because that's actually how I view Zuko throughout this episode, is I felt like he's in this place of helplessness. Nothing's gone right for him. He's experienced all of this, and he hasn't been able to succeed. And so even in moments where people are helping him with Iroh, and Iroh's helping with the White Lotus... Zuko is still consistently being like, why are we doing this? This isn't going to work. This isn't something that I see. What are you all geezer doing? Right, but like, that's how I viewed this moment because he sits there and is like, what? he's ratting us out. I thought you said he was your friend and he was going to help us. And he was like, he is. But Zuko wasn't able to see that in that moment. Um, and I wonder if that was helplessness or if that was just Zuko not seeing that, that that's what it was going on. You know, I'm going to push back. I really saw... Please do. I saw Zuko as... I didn't see helplessness in Zuko at all. Or or Iroh. Um, I saw two very capable people able to navigate their tough path. So, first things first, you know, Iroh, it, we can debate whether he was actually sick or not in the beginning when we see him he's like complaining he's like oh uh, blah, blah, blah. and then zuko's like but do we really need to stop and he's like oh don't stop on my account and then the rough riders show up and assuming he is sick and he's not just trying to stop because he's interested in a break he is immediately able to cast that sickness aside and fight and zuko and iroh together are very capable and able to defend themselves in this moment and I don't sense, I just, in that, I just didn't sense any helplessness. Do you feel like that could have been like one of those like mothers lifting a car situations where the, like the adrenaline and the need to survive Very outweighs any? Potentially for, for Iroh being like, oh, he, yeah. was, he was sick. And then he's like, okay, I need to protect He did him. just get hit by lightning like an episode or two ago. I, that was fire, not lightning. Oh. Blue flame. Blue flames. Ugh. Azula. Very hot fire. But so I mean, like he was—they were nursing him back to health. Um, but yes, he does become very uh, capable, um, and then also capable when looking for. I just need to find. Yep, there's the pie show table. There's my guy. Yeah, I just didn't. <laughs> I just didn't sense helplessness. The only like, yes, I sense the fact that Zuko is probably felt helpless. He was like, "Well, what can I like what can I do?" But I I don't think that ever went through his brain. I don't think he he was like, "What are y'all talking about? This seems dumb." I don't think he was ever like, "We're stuck. What are we going to do?" Right. You know? But there are moments are is it that sometimes you have to be okay with not being the solution? Um and is that different than being helpless, right? Like Zuko wasn't able to go into the White Lotus room. He was not able to be a part of the solution in that moment, right? Yeah, and he had like a little bit of a harumph, but I didn't, again, I didn't sense that he was 
oh, well, there's nothing I can do now. It was more like, this seems dumb. No, right. Right? Yes, but I'm saying is is that leadership? Is that um, moments where we as people, when we're working with friends or having crucial conversations, that we have to accept that the solution can't come from us and that we're not actually helping when we think that we are and that we need to be a little helpless. So interesting, like, sometimes we should be more helpless than because it's not where where is the greater good coming from is the greater good coming from me delegating this and saying hey you need to do this and you need to try and fail right right now i've had supervisors that wouldn't give me the right answers because they needed me to you know what do you think how do you think this went what do you think the solution is um which i guess in a sense is helping but they weren't giving answers which i think we do a lot to provide quote-unquote help. So I think that's really dependent upon the relationship of the supervisor and the supervisee. I think that there is a lot of trust that's required in that relationship because, one, I need to trust that... I need to trust in myself enough to be able to tell myself the story that I can do it, even if my supervisor is like, what do you think? How do you like I cuz at some point they're going to be like, "No, I can't do this. I need you to tell me this is not working." And like so it, I I just I'm hesitant to prescribe that and say everyone should do that. Sure. Does that make like because I I worry that people are like people could hear this and be like, "Oh, I'm going to do this from now on." <laughs> right. It's not it's not the always answer. There's definitely moments there, but there's def- there's moments of supporting others that requires you to not be the one that's setting the goals or you to not be the one to provide the solution. But that doesn't mean that you can't be there and say, "I'm here. I'm next to you. I know this sucks. What do you think we should do?" You know what I mean? Yeah. So, that's I think that's where I was coming from a little bit more with that. Let's we got to we got to bring things to a close. We've been going for a little while. Um so what, any other big moments of helplessness and is there any, how do we, how do we combat that feeling of helplessness? Is there, is there things that we can do that we saw, um, that would help us navigate that feeling and, and how to possibly get out of it? So I definitely want to talk about that last final scene with Aang going. We have to, um, we have to. So one, it's incredibly touching uh with Katara being able to just being able to see the amount of pain that he's in because he doesn't look like he's in pain he looks angry and he looks terrifying to someone who doesn't know him right um and so we have Aang who is so strong so full of power and so much agency where he has all of the energy and power and avatarness available to him and none of that can actually help him find Appa in this moment. And I think what's really interesting about that is what's the parallel for us? When we are full of power, when we are full of agency, full of strengths that are completely useless in a situation, I wonder what how that turns out. And what I mean by that is Aang almost becomes extremely destructive. He almost uses that power in a way that is outside of his values and almost, like, kills people. Oh, absolutely destroys the glider. Like, he's creating 
fear mm-hmm. and he's create like he could easily do enough to cause enough destruction to ruin the lives of this entire nomadic people mm-hmm. who are here in this moment and as you you get you get vibes from them as well that they're not bad people that one person made a mistake judgment call right? that wasn't great he made a mistake but even dad was like that's not fair we want to be hospitable we want to serve these people and help them and what did you do, right? That's He turns to his son and says, what did you do? Yeah. When he realizes that it could cost them the well, lives of everyone who's there. I think what's most terrifying is when I'm feeling helpless, when I do things that I can do and I know they are of no help or when I leverage my power in a way that is harming others just because I have that power and I feel like I have to use it in order to feel like I'm doing something. I need to realize and figure out how I can channel that power in a way that makes it so that I'm not harming others. And I think that Katara helps Aang feel his pain, and that's what he needed most in that moment. And I I just think that sometimes when we're angry, we need to be in touch with the root cause of that anger more than the revenge that we seek in those moments or whatever it may be. So I pulled up an article from uh, Margarita Tartofsky, who's got her master's in clinical psychology, writes for this uh, Psych Central um, site. And she talks about the five ways to reduce helplessness. And I want you to tell me if you see any of this in the show um, from any of the characters throughout this episode. One, understand how trauma affects your mind and your body. So just learning how all that comes together. Two, sharpen your awareness about the, the stressful triggers that you have that put you in that place. Um, so just understanding what's going to put you into there. So not only how your body's reacting, but what's likely to be triggers for you in that. Focus on your self-talk. So the difference between, um, uh, I can't believe this, I have the worst luck, nothing in my life ever goes my way, to what can I do to make this better? This is bad right now, but it won't always be, I can get through this. Becoming attuned to your senses, um, just taking a deep breath and, and sensing the temperature around you, opening your eyes, looking at your environment, and then recognizing patterns. Pinpointing your personal patterns helps you feel empowered and avoid helplessness. Um, is it that you're pressed for time, that you're rushed, that, rushed, that you're unprepared? Um, what helps you, uh, what, you know, what's the pattern that you can identify that keeps you out of a helpless state? Do you see any of that happening with any of our characters throughout this episode? I mean, we just, the difference in self-talk and talk in general between Katara and Aang, we've already talked about. Mm -hmm. But uh, the thing that struck me most was next episode. Um, You will see this next episode. You see this next episode. And Aang trying these, um, he's trying the strategy of noticing what causes him that pain and trying to manage it. Let's Uh, be fair, doesn't manage it perfectly but he's trying and he notices and he's aware of what causes the pain when he understands how this trauma affects him going into the avatar state like he feels shame around that at the beginning but that's a whole nother episode that we get to dive into max do you have anything that you want to add for this episode you know i'll just talk about helplessness and hopelessness i want to share with y'all one of my favorite hope adjacent quotes it's from adrian monk who was the title character of a TV show on USA called Monk. Huh. During the first season, he said, Of course my hopes are up. 
that's what hopes are for. And I still like that quote. Well, that's a, that a little fun little quote. Well, we are about to take a quick break. Thank you, Max, for sharing that. Well done. We're about to take a quick break. Um, we do not have a voicemail this week, so, you know, please send those in. Send us in a, in a little voice memo to thearchivy at gmail.com. Um, about your thoughts or your feelings or a moment that inspires you from Avatar. Or if there's been a moment where you're like, oh, man, I just, I disagree with Ben. Or I disagree with Sunshine. Let us know in a nice little two-minute video. Or if you disagree with Max on things, that's fine, too. You don't need a video. It could be an audio clip. That's fine. Yes, that's that's a little voice memo. Just a little two-minute voice memo. And email that to thearchivy at gmail.com. We would love to have that on this episode. We'll take a quick break, and then we'll be back with our devotion. And we're back with our devotion. This week we are looking through the element air, and we're looking at helplessness. Uh, ben, what's your goal for the week? What do you want to do this week with those two things in mind? One of the things I think will help me create that mindset of um, avoiding helplessness in a way is voicing aloud my gratitude and by voicing like I, I want to put words to the gratitude that is in me and I have been historically pretty poor at that frankly uh, I am really good about texting my friends every now and then when I'm thinking of them and saying hey I appreciate you but in terms of a gratitude practice that is regular I have been pretty poor with that and so I would like to identify a gratitude practice that allows me to make the implicit explicit and allows me to um, put more gratitude out in the air to avoid that helpless feeling. Um, how do you feel about that? Your turn. What do you, what do you, what do you think? I love gratitude. And I, and I think it's one of those things that I, I could even do more. So I love that you chose that. Um, I think that's a beautiful practice. I think for me, it's interesting that helplessness mixed with the element of air because I, I feel like deflated is another really good word to use when you feel helpless. Um, like the air has just been taken out of you. And so um, looking at the, the ways to reduce that feeling, I think for me, it, it, it's focusing on that self-talk is really important. That focus on what can I do to make this better. Um, understand that things are bad right now, but there's a way to get out of it that I can work to those things to have that sense of agency and to make sure that that's the language that I'm using. Um, I think it's going to be my goal uh, when I'm feeling down or dejected this week um, to help bring back some air and, and to bring back some life in the way that I'm feeling on certain issues. Well, I hope you don't feel down or dejected at all. So well, thank you. I hope that that's, I hope that can happen, but I think it's also important to realize that like every day can't be a good day, right? But some days we have meh, days and some days we have bad ones and i think it's important to understand that that's a part of life and um that you don't need to feel guilty about that but what is for me it's what's the agency that i can take into that to to navigate out of those feelings yep and so that will be my goal for this week great thank you all so much for listening next week we're gonna be looking at the episode the serpent's pass and we're gonna do that through a lens of courage 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 how do you say it? Courage. Yep. So we're going to do that next week. Join us. Thank you so much. I am Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Bruit. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Woohoo!